0: thanks for listening to the podcast if you've enjoyed this episode we'd like to ask you to do two simple things first if you could leave us a review on your chosen podcast player and second if you could share or send this link to another grassroots coach those two things will help us spread the word about the podcast and grow our community Welcome to the podcast. Today I'm speaking to James McCann who is the head of PE at Whitgift School and the owner of the Animal Lab. So welcome to the podcast James. Good afternoon. Rob. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. So for those who haven't come across you before give us a bit of an intro into yourself and how you kind of got involved in sport as a youngster and how that's kind of progressed on to, to Whitgift School
1: um so growing up playing lots of sport you know the typical rugby football cricket hockey um a lot of my you know i have an older sister she was into netball but maybe not the sports i was interested in best friend live around the corner he's gone on to be a, a professional cricketer but we used to spend a lot of our afternoons um evenings you know weekends just having that kind of informal play um and then that led me on to you know Really going down a, a rugby cricket route um, at school, um, state school uh, PE was very very much games based, so you know that that suited me. That was great. And then from there moved on to a kind of more specific uh, or rugby playing school and cricket playing school to really just channel my my passion that way. And then off to the university, studied uh, BEd. Or BA, sorry, and uh, off to Exeter to do my, my PGC. And then that led me down the teaching route. And then along the way, picked up some coaching qualifications. And then after that, first job in Inner in London, Streatham, and then another school in Surrey. And then finally, currently at Whitgift. So it's kind of uh, maybe a linear approach, or might seem a little bit of normal um but what's normal <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so what does what the role at wick gift look like day to day what what's kind of your remit in terms of uh coaching versus p delivery and teaching so my role is
1: very much overseeing the practical curriculum uh practical pe so that is you know nothing to do with the theory side i do teach on 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 that side but um the the practical side is very much my remit. So I'm just overseeing you know our approach to the, the boys engaging in their their physical education, um, overseeing a, a department of you know eight highly qualified staff, you know, they're a great team to work with. Um, and yeah, that that that's it. Um, my games remit, I coach with the under 12, so with, with the younger boys there, uh, the rugby side and a bit of the hockey and then move into the cricket and tennis. Um, and then that's kind of two afternoons, uh, yeah, two afternoons a week really. So that's kind of my role and then oversee the sports scholars, uh, boys that you know, are, are on a kind of development pathway with different academies and you know, boys who've shown some like, physical qualities or potential really.
0: Mm. So what does a day in the life of James McCann look like in terms of day-to-day sessions and lessons and
1: Busy, um, I think, would be kind of the response of most teachers. Um, you know, have a form. So, you know, I'm a U11 form tutor. Then, then I move straight into theory or practical lessons. Lunchtime, I'll be overseeing, you know, a session in the gym somewhere. Um, then straight into like a registration and then a, a games afternoon. And then after that, I might then have my training session with my team. Um, or I'm also involved in the boarding at the moment, so the the pastoral side and trying to develop those relationships with boys is kind of a, a big area of my my remit too. So you know that 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 could start from seven thirty all the way to ten thirty. But you know, so my my day is quite busy, but it's it's really varied, and and that's what I really just enjoy about you know my role. Um, it's not just the same thing every day. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's good. <laughs>
0: hmm so give us a bit of an idea so you kind of mentioned potentially the the practical element of pe and the games element so obviously a lot of schools kind of have some variation in terms of whether things are competitive games based pe um movement based curriculum so what does it look like at wikif what is it you're trying to do there
1: well i suppose when i when i took took over the the role of the department four years ago um firstly it was just about getting to know the staff and getting to know the structure the process of the school so that that's probably taken me you know a year like a a good four year 18 months just to get to know staff just to you know know systems processes and and look at the curriculum and review it um you know was it fit for purpose you know we i suppose we first met at kelvin giles you know cpd and and that really struck a chord with me in the sense of we're running a, a game based curriculum within our PE when we've already got a game based curriculum in games and for me I, I really wanted to try and change that and move away from more games in PE and so it took me about a year 18 months to really get to know the staff know the curriculum and then from there it was just about educating staff not, not in a patronizing way but just really trying to draw on the research and draw on the CPDs that I'd been to and draw on the the readings that I, I'd been doing and share that with the department and, you know, and, and educate them in the sense of, you know, if we can get better movers, we're going to get better, you know, sportsmen, I suppose, later on, or, you know, better engagement with our games programme. So that, that, that was kind of a two-year process. And then kind of last year, and I suppose this year has been really interrupted, but last year we started to introduce, you know, fundamental movements, you know, Introducing Simon Brundish's Strength Lab. You know that that's been really well recept, uh, received. And then starting to introduce some more like change of direction, some speed development, um, and and that that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Um, and then this this year is really just taking a bit of a hit because we we were really trying to develop and integrate the the, the physical qualities, I suppose, from all of the, the reading in, into rpe curriculum and really move it away at the younger age group from being sport to movement so that's quite a long answer
0: (laughs) Mm. so how how was that received by i guess first of all staff and but then how was it received by students who are used to maybe doing the, the previous kind of games based approach so what was that transition like
1: well, I think with the the staff, you know, they, they they've they've really bought into it and they, they can really see like the the benefit of it. They they've really enjoyed delivering it. Um, you know, have speaking to the department, they've really enjoyed, you know, delivering the the fundamentals of, you know, squat, push, pull, lunge, you know, and also the the speed element of it and the change of direction that they really bought into it and and, and the the students they've really enjoyed it as well. You, you know, it wasn't a case of, they didn't see it as fitness. It wasn't, it wasn't branded as, you know, fitness. It was branded as you know, functional movement. It's branded as strength development. And, you know, they've had something structured and they've, they've, they've really enjoyed it. Um, they, they've really enjoyed it. And there wasn't really much. I didn't start with the year 10s and 11s. I didn't go, right, we're changing it here with year 10s and 11s. Because they've already gone through that process. It was just changing it lower down the school, but they didn't really know much difference that's how we've come about it
0: hmm. and has there any been uh sort of any resistance or any feedback positive or negative from parents um not so much from you, you know need, neither really um we haven't
1: really kind of branded it as a as a total rebrand it's just tweaking the curriculum and and suppose any you know when you refer to like the teaching standards it's, it's being able to review a curriculum and whether or not it's fit for purpose, whether or not, you know, it's fit for the 21st century. And, you know, I, I don't think any, any parent would really argue against that, you know, you're trying to make my, my son or daughter a better mover so that they can engage in all the other opportunities that the school has to offer, um, you know, in terms of barriers, I suppose it's just been maybe from my side in terms of time, um, you know, my day's really busy and maybe i haven't been able to give it all my time and attention at the moment that i'd like to to really try and push it on um i suppose that's kind of been the only the only barrier but also we're a school of 1500 boys so i'm still trying to you know amalgamate a new curriculum and keep in check with an old kind of curriculum so it's just a little bit of time really Um, I was a bit naive at the start coming in all guns blazing thinking it was going to work and thinking it was going to be res- like, yeah thinking it was going to work and it was going to change everything but it's just a slow process um, mm.
0: that's
1: something I've learned.
0: Yeah schools and education institutes are, are pretty slow moving objects aren't they and they take a, a bit of a, a commitment and uh, investment of time to get things you know moving in a different direction don't they?
1: Yeah definitely and, and that's the, the one thing where I came in and you know wanted to to change it all, but had to kind of take the you know put the brakes on a few things as well. And actually, think actually if it's one percent better than it, than it previously was, we're going forward. So, you know, uh, f- from my from my learning, that's what I definitely took away from from that whole process. Um, mm. So yeah.
0: So are there any particular people or I guess experiences you've kind of already mentioned, Kelvin Giles, but any people that have shaped? your kind of philosophy on this more movement-based approach rather than a games-based approach? And, and how has that kind of come about? Yeah,
1: I suppose there's like in a professional setting and then, you know, personal as well, you know, the, you know, these people are really, you know, good friends of mine. And, and I suppose my first real influence was Stephen Jones down in Wellington, um, came out of my degree and wanted to pursue PE as a, as a teacher and saw how he was going about changing it, going, how he was trying to embed those physical qualities and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree with him and it was something that uh, i believed in as well um you know my my first job teaching in streatham you know with my head department uh ryan shedwick you know fantastic practitioner um you know just also keeping in check the the kind of teaching and learning side of things so you know he's been really influential in my my teaching career to that sense, and then we 've got uh, eugene martin and and carl stagno who who I work with in their you know phenomenal national achieving coaches um, and their philosophy is, is 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 not about the winning it 's about the process and and it 's really good to have conversations with them about coaching and uh, you know teaching as well
0: hmm. so bringing up philosophy there leads quite nicely into this next question so do, in terms of yourself, do you have your own kind of model or philosophy that you adhere to in in your coaching?
1: Um, I think when I, when I'm, you know, coaching and teaching, it's it's about for me high activity levels, it's about engaging activities, and it's about lots of praise, because I, I really do think that, and it, and it's like work as well. No one comes to work, um, you, you know, I suppose, wanting to make mistakes, and and that's the same with the boys. They they don't. Come come to lessons wanting to make mistakes so i don't try to dwell on that i try to praise and then offer that feedback and i think that's about then creating an engaging atmosphere and engaging environment um you know i think when i first started teaching it was very much it was very much um you know establishing those boundaries but now i suppose i'm a little bit down the line i I know how those routines are embedded and my philosophy has changed and it's about yeah it's making things engaged engaging and and active
0: really Mm. so if you kind of had to pinpoint things or i guess verbalize it what would you say is your underlying driver or why for for becoming a pe teacher and and getting involved in coaching
1: give everyone a positive experience in physical activity you know that's that's it it comes back to you know when the boys in my class you know, they might be in the A team for you know football, hockey, or rugby, but the boys that aren't, they also need to be having you know positive experiences with physical activity, and and that's it. And I mean, I need to try and create that environment, and that all comes down from you know how you set the tone um, and how you structure sessions and how you you know interact with the boys. Um, if you if you do that, then you know they're going to lead on to hopefully being engaged with physical activity for for life. Um, so for me. Looking at my PE experience, that's exactly what it was. It was a positive experience. Was that because I was a really, a, a, a really good mover, but I was a competent mover at a young age, probably. But everyone deserves that opportunity, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. So talking about positive experiences, obviously everyone's experience of sport at the moment is pretty uh, interrupted due to the coronavirus situation. So how has the school, and I guess in particular, the PE delivery adapted to the coronavirus situation?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny looking on Twitter and, and all the other social media platforms. You know, a lot of a lot of schools are, are just, you know, putting out daily challenges, putting out um, lots of activity, you know, programmes. And, you know, I suppose I, I fell foul of that pretty early as well because we just needed to have something in place, you know, for those last two weeks. Um, this Easter, I've really had time to think about what, how we're we going to go about this, how we're we going to deliver, you know, PE where the boys are getting something meaningful and productive out of it. We're still going to have our daily challenges in there, um, but I'm going to be offering a, a, a webinar series kind of weekly to the parents, the boys, to staff, you know, for them to continue to engage with that. But also from our online platforms that we have, you know, they're going to have weekly body weight resistant sessions, you know, progressively overload them you know change that from week to week um, how, do, how are we going to monitor it that's that's the most difficult thing um, you're always going to have those boys that want to do it will do it those boys that might be reluctant learners or might be a little bit disengaged with it will try and find reasons or excuses not to do it um, that's that's the difficult thing you know that's 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 been the hardest thing I think um, trying to get that engagement with with all the boys, but I think we've adapted pretty well
0: to it. Um, Mm, There's obviously a a lot of variations of organization to organization. Some people using Microsoft Teams, some people using Zoom, you know, some people, like you say, doing daily challenges, others looking at more long-term programs. So what kind of led you to the, I guess, the approach you've decided to take? Um, I just think
1: it was a perfect opportunity to rather than, you know, because I think, for for boys, they're being hounded and, and, not hounded, but they're, you know, they're being pounded every day with every period of like, at this time, you've got this lesson at this, this time you've got to do this. And all of a sudden they're just, always on their on, on their laptops um you know for, for us it's a bit more of a holistic approach you know the webinars are there to, to educate them the daily challenges are there just to engage them with a little bit of physical activity but then we've got something for the other boys who really want to continue to stay in shape or you know, develop their physical competency um, we which are trying to cater for everyone but not putting too much of a workload or on too many too too many staff or all the boys and kind of convolute it for them um so that's that's the approach i've gone for personally it's just more of a holistic approach
0: mm. so i mean obviously a lot of people at the moment are kind of talking about or i guess the the kind of target in the headlights at the moment is joe wicks with his kind of daily daily pe stuff or what's being marketed as pe so what's your take on that as someone who is trying to integrate movement into pe how do you see that? Is that positive yeah. negative a bit of both uh, is is, is is
1: i think it's a bit of both i think it's positive that's getting people moving you know the are those movements correct that that's something that i would probably highlight and allude to i think you know there's as as you're probably aware of as well is that there's there's sh- students athletes that that can barely do you know squats or press up or or you know those movements and then it's just asking other students to load them up with loads of burpees um with you know poor poor technique on on that um branding it as pe um it is it's clearly a fitness session um but he's he's getting that he's getting the, the nation active you know he's engaging parents and, and 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 kids at the same time so what what can you do um yeah, I'm I'm a bit stuck to be honest. I think there needs to be a bit more of an educational approach to it. You know, could there be better scaffolding of those those movements? You know, better regressions or pro- progressions, you know. But if you can't if you can't do a squat jump, just do, do do squats. If you can't do squats, do a squat hold. You know, you know, there there's elements to add some education in there. Um maybe that's the trick that's been missed as well.
0: Mm-hmm. But, and with all these things, uh, marketing plays a big part in it, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, we all, we're all we both aware of um, Simon's stuff with superheroes, which is obviously age, a lot more age appropriate with progressions and regressions. And um, I guess we would say probably a, a better tool in the situation, but does it have the same marketing power that Joe Wicks, Lean and 15 does? Probably not. Yeah. But
1: maybe he just highlights that, you know, his, his, you read about it about, I suppose, again an adult program and then just, Dumping it on a child, and, and mm. maybe there's an element of that um, mm. of of what he's certainly certainly done. There, he's just applied the same kind of high intensity interval training to children, um, and so that every day probably isn't going to be great for them. Um, so that would be my reservations on that.
0: Mm. So talk to us about the animal lab. For those who haven't come across it before, what is it? What what are your aims and objectives with it? yeah um well
1: it's it's a bit of a slow burner um i suppose it's a labor of love at the moment um it's just about trying to develop a movement vocabulary for all i'm really trying to use it as a as a a resource for, for 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 teachers or for you know coaches that want to embed a little bit of movement into their own programs or you know if there are other other schools that wanted to move down you know integrating just some fundamental movements what what might a program look like um for them um you know as i said it's a a labor of love and and it's trying to marry up the the movement vocabulary with with a teaching and learning element of it so you know as i said it's a labor of love because there's you know different levels of, of videos that hopefully the long term is to embed those videos onto you know a powerpoint with teaching points with a self assessment peer assessment resource you know for for students and for staff um that's 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 it really is developing a movement vocabulary for you know for for staff and, and for, for coaches and, and just offering like resources is it's um you know for me it's how i'm just trying to think like well, how could i get you know a, a ramp warm-up in to a PE lesson and cover some of those movements and, and I think for a lot of practitioners they speak about oh, we need to have better movers we need to have you know kids that you know they don't know how to run properly and those sort of things well actually here's a little video that covers some of the technical points introduce that into a warm-up um, if you can't have a dedicated six-week block to fundamental movements at least you can integrate some of it little and often. Um, So that's, that's, that's where I'd like to go with it, really. Um, You know, I don't think it's going to take over the world. I don't want it to. It's just really, it's a labour of love, really. Um, Mm. It marries in with my, my philosophy.
0: I guess, do you see it as a tool for people who are trying to do a similar thing to yourself in terms of bringing that movement based kind of curriculum, integrating with the games, but maybe aren't sure what that looks like or how to bridge that gap?
1: Yeah, I think so, because, you know, James Baker's done some really good stuff with performance and, and he, you know, in his setting, they may not have had like a games period where where we do. And, and this is why I suppose context is always key because, you know, we've got a games program and it's it's fantastic. And we've also got, you know, a B program which can really, you know, continue to develop those movement skills and those fundamental movements to really enhance the you know the students that want to engage in games or physical activity um you know so it's kind of developing a system or program where you know a school or a club might want to just pick up a little bit of it and just integrate it into their into their sessions or into their their curriculum where they see fit um that's it really
0: Hmm. So, given your kind of uh, experience both coaching in a school setting, teaching a school setting, as well as your own experiences as a youth athlete, are there any particular coaching skills you think coaches need to be effective in coaching youth age athletes rather than senior athletes? Is there anything different between the two from a, a coaching skill? I'd say there's
1: some things that both coaches in senior or junior need to have, and, and it's making their sessions fun, you know, giving it the why. Um, Especially with the with the younger generation now, it's just about making it making it fun, making it engaging um, straight away. Um, I suppose in the early part of my career was or coaching career. I suppose it was kind of introduce drills, and then go into a game, and I've really moved away from that um, to try and in, in, incorporate high activity levels. Um, yeah, uh, what e- empathy? I suppose just you know, not getting, don't strive for perfection, strive strive for excellence, you know, because if the pass is successful, for example, for example, in rugby, and it's got to the person, it's a successful pass, you know, and I think I used to get caught up when I was coaching, oh, that was a sloppy pass, but it went to the, the intended target. Um, so I think from a coaching point of view, just look at it as of, you know, just strive for for excellence, not, not perfection, and, you know, it comes back to my first point, you know, people don't come into places to make mistakes on purpose. So don't, don't focus on that. Focus on on the praise element. And I think that's really relevant with the younger children. It's just really focusing on that, on that praise, what they can do rather than what they can't do.
0: Mm, No, that's really good. It's funny. I think you're maybe the second guest or third guest in a row that's mentioned fun and empathy um, as those two particular traits. So it's clearly something that, is at the forefront of of people's minds when they're coaching particularly those youth age athletes so it's obviously important but like even even when
1: I was playing as an adult you know three four years ago you you know you're slogging it day-to-day in your workplace and then you're going to go and train you're not getting paid for it you you want it to be fun and engaging even as an adult and I think that's really even more important as as a child you know they're not they're not you know, many professionals already—they're just children, and they still want to just have fun. What they're doing.
0: Hmm. Is there any other advice you give to those who are coaching youth athletes based on, you know, your own research, your knowledge, your experience of of integrating that curriculum into what you're doing day to day?
1: Ah, it it definitely has to be a, s- a slow process. Um, you know, just the introduction. You know, coming back to the warm ups, just introducing don't change a whole lesson or coaching session to, to include everything. Um, you know, I remember delivering a lesson with the the fundamentals involved and it was almost like right, we're all going to do the the squat and then we're going to move on to the lunge. But actually what, what I found when I reflected on it, and then that's another key point: being a reflective practitioner. You know, reflect on the sessions you've done. You know, reflected on it, had a conversation with someone that was, you know, in the lesson with me, and I said, "How could we make that a little bit more engaging?" I said, "Why don't we make a little competition?" You know, so after we did the squat, you know, we we did we did crawls, and we were looking just for you know who can have a straight back. You know, just elements of a competition to break it up for them. Um, but that came because. I was quite reflective or, or pose that question to the person in the lesson with me. So being a reflective practitioner is certainly key. Um,
0: coaching or teaching. Mm, it's massive, isn't it? I've heard, I don't know who, where I've heard it first, but someone's saying, you know, have you got 10 years of experience or the same year of experience 10 times? And that comes down to reflection, doesn't it? You could, you could yeah. put your head down and get through 10 years of coaching and coach exactly the same as you did on day one, because you didn't look back and think what worked, what didn't work, how could it be better?
1: Like definitely. And, and I think, you know, there's sometimes, you, you know, you, you have, you, you have your session and you just think um, they, they didn't get that. Why, why didn't they get that? Or they weren't as engaged. And, you know, I had a theory lesson and year 11's a Fox on the roof. That was it lesson gone. You know, there's nothing you can do there, but you, you know, it's about reflecting on, okay, well, how can I alleviate that? How could I change my behavior management? you know, style to, you know, get them back on task. Um, so I suppose it just comes down to that reflection and being reflective on, on what you do.
0: Hmm. So if people are interested in kind of going down this movement-based curriculum loophole or, or any kind of other movement-based stuff, is there any particular kind of resources you'd point people towards or I guess signposts that you've used along your journey to, take, to get to yeah,
1: you def- definitely, um, you know Yeah, definitely. Well, is there a loophole, do you think, in your opinion? In terms Sorry of to like just throw it back on onto you, like just like you know, a movement a movement curriculum, you know, do we need to do we need to be getting this stuff
0: more more into schools? Yeah, I think so. I think you know, definitely, like you said, it doesn't necessarily need to be you change your whole lesson from the start, like drip feeding things into into you know your warm-up. Like that's exactly the same approach that I take when I'm trying to educate technical coaches on things and saying, look, you don't need a whole separate session for S and C. Just take that 20 minutes you guys are playing Ring of Fire and trying to hit the crossbar and actually put some structure behind it, and you, you can get your S&C there, and you do that three times a week, right, boom, you've got 45 minutes of S&C, and you can do that, you know, easy, um, without having to give, give away any of your technical time. But I think um, it's definitely an area that we need to, it, we're almost going backwards, aren't we? Like going back to the era of, you know, educational gymnastics, like Elvin Giles talks about, because I think maybe we have gone too far, and we're trying to teach kids to write an essay before we've taught them the alphabet. Um, you know, it's...
1: Definitely sorry. And and I think yeah. as you mentioned, Kelvin Giles, that's that's for me where, you know, my first kind of um or second sort of experience around this this came uh, came from. You know, a lot a lot of his reading, a lot of you know going on to his CPD, you know, that that was just a real game changer for me. That's where I suppose Animal Lab really started to come alive because I just thought actually, you know, how can we break this down to make it um you know educational and, and fun as well um the yeah i've got it right next to me the strength and conditioning for for athletes by um you know lloyd and, o- and oliver that's you know uh, a resource that listening to your podcast and, and many others something they refer to and that's that's something that you know i'm I'm reading a lot of kelvin giles um who else did i I'll write down here um you know I'm sporticus on twitter uh, that's his that's his uh, handle you know he he's coming from a very philosophical approach on PE as well and he's directed me to some really good readings um around you know what PE used to be back in the 50s and actually you know the reason why we we had the curriculum back then the why we kind of need it now um they they're kind of my go-to at the moment and then just listening to you know podcasts and and, so, and being uh, on social media really
0: mm. so just out of interest i mean we might go down a complete tangent here but what was the rationale for for creating that sort of curriculum in the 50s as opposed to the game based and how did that evolve well, kind of come full circle I, I guess
1: yeah i think i think it stemmed out of um there was national service so they were trying to prepare people for national service to then be you know good movers in in in, in the war um and then it kind of we didn't it, it again it, it wasn't fit for purpose then you know there wasn't any world war one and two was over and we didn't need national service so they kind of moved the curriculum or, or the curriculum away from from that and then brought in a, this games-based approach and and now I think we've definitely gone full circle because we've really gone to, you know, let's just all play, you know, games or have a games-based approach in our curriculum when we need to get back to, to the movement. And and it comes back to the, maybe the, the first point about my my kind of upbringing or how I got involved with kind of sport or PE or movement is that it was informal play. And has that been lost now? Has that been lost now with children? Um, I, think, I think it, it might... It, may well have been um you know obviously not right now there aren't many people out on bikes or playing football in the streets etc but was that happening two three six months ago um so we need to engage it and incorporate it somewhere Mm. you you know
0: yeah it's it's really interesting is that like when you look at that's just you know tweaked a light in my head like you look at the kind of um so many different methodologies of PE around the world and it always kind of seems to come back to, to preparing people for war. So like the Russians, you know, even um, some of the stuff around educational gymnastics, that kind of stuff, it was that. And then I guess when that threat kind of died down, it then became a, a much more of a, a leisure and games-based approach. But, but that's, you know, what we need to, we need to match education
1: to society, in, in my opinion. You, you know, if I look at the sixth formers and everyone who's leaving school, what are their kind of first go-tos? They want to keep fit, and they want to be physically active. Are we preparing them to go and do that? We can't. We can't just go right. This is our curriculum in a school. Off you go into the big wide world because you just get lost. Um, we need to have a, an educational system that reflects society, um, and so that you know we need to be a bit more outward looking. Like right, what is society? Um, you know, want wanting um and how can we develop you know the skills in students to go and live a fulfilling life
0: Uh, Mm. no that's massive i think like even for myself working for scottish rugby that's that's my outcome is you know if if we can't get these guys to that professional level well you know i want them to be able to walk into a gym and, and know how to train what to do do it you know competently safely Be able to say to someone, actually here's why I'm doing three sets of ten on back squat, or this is why I'm doing press ups instead of bench, or you know have that training knowledge, not just have experienced something being dictated to them without kind of joining the dots and then walk away from a sport and go, well, I'm never going to the gym again, or I'm never doing that again." Which I guess is probably a lot of people's experience of PE and and fitness from school, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and and I think Joe mentioned it on on the podcast with you. He said, you know, for someone they could be getting their physical activity through physical recreation by playing you know football after work with their with their colleagues but if they don't even know how to move properly right from the start they're not even going to be confident or competent enough to engage with that physical recreation to then get their physical activity so i think that's you know it doesn't matter what level of activity you want to engage with you need to be physically competent Mm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Ollie Trotman recently had a really good kind of tagline. I think he'd taken it from somewhere else, which was his four Cs, confidence, competence, capacity, and choice. It's like if you you know get the confidence, the competence, the capacity, you can choose what you want to do. Yeah. But without the competence, the capacity, your choices are pretty limited. And I guess that's what we're seeing with people coming out of, I guess, the traditional games-based approach where maybe they're getting turned off basketball or hockey because they didn't like it. Well, actually, their choices were limited when they're coming out because they weren't necessarily being taught to move well. Which was yeah. then transferable to so many different things
1: yeah uh, absolutely and I, and I think just maybe on a, on a side you know everyone we're now in this lockdown and what what has everyone's first go, go to to try and like be be you know what, what's their first go to it hasn't been oh make sure you math science and english are all up to date it's do some exercise be active make sure your mental and social and health health you know, you know well-being are looked after and you know that's everyone's go-to, um, and I think that's really important to, to to kind of note, really, because if that doesn't scream to to any practitioner that we need to educate everyone on on moving better and you know the holistic approach of physical activity, then then we're going to lose we've lost the opportunity to do it.
0: Mm. and and like you say i mean you look at a lot of these models like um the one that springs to mind is ian jeffrey's cougar power model which is you know quadrennial or four-year planning um and i was having this conversation with someone recently they were talking about their kind of their i guess level of progression in a university program and you know they were saying oh the head of performance doesn't really want to do that because he says we don't have time and i was saying if you haven't got time when you've got students for four years you're never going to have time and I guess the same is true in that high school or, or um, you know, independent school settings. Like, that's such a prime opportunity because you've got people for long enough to really get them in a good habit, teach them good ways, teach them about how to move well, how to eat well, how to sleep well, and really yeah. set them up for a healthy life, never mind sport.
1: And, and, and that's it. And that's, the, and that's where I think for me personally, a PE curriculum needs to change so it's fit for 21st century needs to incorporate that you know nutrition it needs to incorporate that sleep it needs to incorporate you know the use of technology and you you know and and don't be afraid to take lessons in a PE curriculum to focus solely on on that um you know and and deliver a workshop for everyone you know in a PE lesson because it's all part of it um you you know should should it yeah that, that that's that's where it is for me really
0: Mm. I guess fundamentally that comes back to whether we're just doing physical activity or whether we're doing physical education
1: yeah and Mm. and I don't want to I don't want to you you know sell the profession short but I just think it just needs teacher training providers may need to change what they're delivering as well You, you know I think there's some good providers out there introducing you know more physical literacy into their into their PE programs you know I, I certainly never experienced that in my teacher training um yet that that's kind of fundamental you know they're called fundamentals for a reason you know had i been armed with that a bit more or better you, you know i probably wouldn't be talking about what we're talking about now you know five six years down the line i could have been implementing or doing it a little bit sooner but hey ho
0: so, where can people find out more about what you're doing, about Animal Lab, and about the PE e. curriculum at Whitgift School?
1: Yep. Yeah, so, the go tos are the social media. You know, uh, Animal Lab um, on Twitter and Instagram. That, that's the that's the the handles there. And then, you know, my my personal one is Jr. McCann sixteen uh, on on Twitter. as as well and then theanimallab.com and and as I said it's a bit of a labor of love and it's just about really trying to engage with people practitioners professionals and and trying to build up a, a resource for those that want to use it um that's and that's it really
0: brilliant well thanks so much for your time it's been really great chatting about PE and about how you're integrating that movement curriculum into the games and and what the reality of that looks like so thanks for your time no worries you know man